Hello and welcome to the Old Fashioned Breakdown uh, rewatch podcast for the TV show Mad Men. My name is Fola Olukumbi. And I'm Helen Varley. Uh, this is a special recap for seasons one, episodes one to five. These re- recap episodes are to catch you guys up on what we've been discussing of the last five episodes. Yeah, so if you guys uh, can't be bothered to listen to uh, episodes one to five, then you can just listen to this and be right there with us. And also, it gives me a chance to kind of talk about some stuff that we might have missed uh, the first time around. So I'm going to try and uh, expand on some of the stuff we talked about. Because as as we've been watching this, it's kind of... It's kind of hit me that there's certain things that I kind of wasn't really aware of as I was watching it. And as I've gone back, I've looked at it and gone, oh my God, there's like loads of things that we didn't talk about. So uh, yeah, shall we just just, get into it? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say that I have not done that. (laughs) (laughs) I basically, I basically record the podcast episode and then I move on, Fola, which I think is the healthy (laughs) thing to do. Uh, I think you're 100% right. Uh, but you don't need to do that because you can pick up things really quickly and I don't. So, um, right. yeah, anyway, let's uh, let's go back. So uh, we're going to talk about Smoke Gets In Your Eyes first, which was like the first episode. Um, and just to kind of recap what goes on in that, um, Don struggles to come up with a pitch for Lucky Strike. Peggy starts a new job in the office and Pete is about to get married. Um, do you remember anything about this episode? Do you remember what we said about it or anything? I mean, yeah, I remember there was a lot of discussion about how um, we established that most of the characters are morons. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's not true. Um, I think I think it was sort of like, I think we got, or what I remember is, I think this is your my first impression of sort of like, we talked a lot about the sort of the time period and, and also, you know, the characters individually and what our first impressions of them were. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so what's the first thing you're going to pick up on, Fola? All right. So, okay. So what I've realized about these episodes is each episode basically points to a specific philosophical concept. Uh, we kind of like, we, we talked about the themes and everything and like, you know, this, the, I think we said the, the theme of this one was, oh God, what was it? Um, um, oh, expectations. We thought it was expectations. Mm. Um, and it kind of is, but it isn't really. Because the actual philosophical theme about this one uh, gets mentioned. You know the bit with um, the quite male-type woman who's giving Don the, the, the report? I can't remember her name now. No. Um, <laughs> you, do, you, do, you know the, um, the doctor, the doctor who sort of tells Don... Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, okay. So she tells Don that um, all human beings, that they should sell cigarettes on the fact that all human beings have a death drive. Yeah. And so basically this entire episode is about the death drive. Uh, The death drive was a concept that um, uh, Freud came up with and it kind of relates to this other thing called the, (laughs) the reality principle and the pleasure principles. And uh, so I don't, I, I'm no massive uh, expert on these things. It's just stuff that I've read. But basically, those the, the reason that's really important to this is because it kind of feeds into the point of, it kind of feeds into the idea of how Don is very good at creativity and coming up think, with things on the spot, um, which I'll explain in a, in a second. And it also explains um, the whole ending with Pete. So... 
Yeah, you got to keep these. You got to keep. There's four things you got to keep in in mind with this whole thing. So, you got. I hope I can do this in five minutes. You've got the pleasure principle. You've got the reality principle. You've got the life drive, and you've got the death drive. Right. Okay. And the pleasure. So the pleasure principle is something that we have when we're a child. We like when we want something as a child, whether it's food or warmth or whatever, even sex. Um, we kind of as a child. Just, well, maybe not as a child, but you know, <laughs> as, as a as a as a want, as a thing that we want that right. we need to to comfort ourselves or whatever. Uh-huh. When we want that thing, we just want that thing now and then. The reason I mentioned being a child is because as a child, you usually get that thing. You scream for that thing and you get that thing right instantly. Right. right? Okay. But as you grow older, you have to employ this thing called the reality principle. And the reality principle is the fact that you might be hungry now, but you might have to wait for that hunger. So you have to wait to satisfy that need that you have. Mm-hmm. Okay? Make you following sense. me? Yeah, I'm following okay. you. Okay. So I think the so the way I understand it, and I could be wrong, but the way I understand it is the reality principle, the, the, the um, pleasure principle and the reality principle um, create this thing where... So say you want something, but you can't have it at the time. You then have this thing called a life drive. And the life drive is basically the tension between the two. So it's like almost like the time between the two. You as a human being have to occupy your mind with thoughts on how to deal with the fact that you can't have that thing now. So for instance, the best example is like, say you're hungry. Um, what do you do in the meantime while you can't eat the thing that you want to eat? So what you start doing is in your mind, you start fantasizing about things. Uh, you might start fantasizing about the food. You might start talking about the food. In a sense, you're creating something. You're being creative with the time that you have. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, I think I'm always wait. I'm always fantasizing about my next meal. So that <laughs> right, makes okay. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So, okay, so that, so, and, and that, that creativity that you come up with then is the life drive. That's kind of like, that's, that's the pleasure thing that we all fixate on. It's like, it makes sense that we'd all fixate on something good. Uh, when we're waiting for it right and it's always this thing in the future that we're sort of like looking towards that's gonna make us happy right right so the death drive which is the thing that gets mentioned in the show is almost exactly the same thing but it's brought on by um trauma and obviously this show is set just after the second world war when an entire like society was in trauma right Mm -hmm. and the way that the death drive works is within that same period within that pleasure principle and the reality principle um what happens is the mind uh, uh the mind sort of goes back and reverts back to something that painful that happened and tries to recreate it so it's like whereas the life drive works towards the future the death drive works towards the past and sort of tries to recreate um, painful memories so that you as a human being can overcome them. Uh, And so that's basically what you get with, you know, Pete at the end of the episode. Um, He basically gets turned down by that girl in the bar. And because he gets turned down by the girl in the bar, he wants to recreate the feeling of trying to get something. So he goes to Betty um no. sorry, Peg, he goes peggy. to peggy he goes to peggy <laughs> there's so many names to remember he goes to peggy and tries to recreate it and from there he gets a payoff and that's basically what happens with all the characters in this show is they're sort of spurred on by this this death drive which is this thing to kind of fulfill this um feeling of trauma that they've kind of all come across i that, mean 
do you not think it's a little bit of both both the life drive and the death drive like i mean i think i see it for certain characters but i mean someone like peggy for example yeah you know i think it's definitely for her she's i mean or maybe peggy's a bad example because she doesn't know what she wants but you know a character that knows what they want let's say don wants to be the boss right so he's so he's almost like biding his time between that's maybe that's what the fly is all about have you figured that out well not quite (laughs) but i feel like the so the that's the thing so the fly is so the thing about don is and we don't know the full story of don yet because it hasn't really been explained to us but the thing about don is he has a lot of trauma in his life i'm not gonna without spoiling anything he has a lot of trauma in his life so the idea of this life drive this life the, the idea of the life drive is that with no trauma in your life, I, th- I think this is true. With no trauma in your life, you are um, you 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 fixate on the things that can make you happy. You fixate on you know the obvious things that are kind of that make a person happy. But and Don does that quite well, right? He does that mm-hmm. all the time. Um, but the fact of the matter is, he isn't really connecting with the death drive, which would make with ironically would make him happy um so he's so so another thing so with the again with the life drive like i said it makes you it it makes you a lot more creative so when don is in the pitch meeting and he comes up with the whole pitch the reason he's doing that is because he's thinking about what would make him happy so it's that kind of life drive that's kind of driving the his little speech about happiness is this and happiness is, do you know what I mean? Mm. And really what he, there's the things that he's hiding, which is another concept, which is like the shadow, but I won't go into that, but um, he's hiding this, this, this darkness that he can't really deal with. And because of that, he's out of sync and he's unhappy. So I think that's kind of what the fly was. The fly is kind of in this like light place where it's, um, it should be happy but it's trying to escape it because it's not dealing with that properly. That's what I think it is. Or let's let's play devil's advocate here. So as you just said, I'm going to pinpoint what you just said there, which was you like, you know, no spoilers, that there's a lot of trauma in Don's life. So I don't know that, right? I'm coming to this character for the first time. And I think what you're saying is having knowing what you know now from having seen the rest of the episodes, you can make this assumption. However, these characters are brand new to all of us and they could have started at a different time, but they chose not to. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I think you could argue that perhaps because of this trauma that he's been through, this is why he is the way he is now. But as the audience, we can't know that from the first... So I think I think it's an all, it's an almost a very interesting thing because you're almost saying right because I have all this information yeah. because I know what's going to happen I can make these this analysis but actually I can't I can't make that analysis and I can't really see what you're saying in some senses because to me I wouldn't maybe I mean you know perhaps that is a theory but to me he just comes across as being quite narcissistic <laughs> and assuming. Yeah. The role of I know what happiness is because my version of happiness should be everyone's version of happiness yeah. and to me that's not necessarily something I, I don't feel his trauma or you know I don't feel get that impression of him at all in that first episode so okay. you know I think it's quite an interesting one to discuss because you have more information than me but at this stage I would say I didn't smell any trauma in there whatsoever 
Okay. All right. Well, okay. Well, well, I will say this before we move on. We'll leave it at that. That's fair enough. Um, but before we move on, I will say that um, when he does look at the light, he he looks up at the light and you hear all these bombs going off in the background. Oh, you of, do? No way. I did not notice that at all. There's like this whole war sort of thing and like, yeah, loads of stuff. So oh. we'll, leave the, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that there and uh, we'll move on to the next episode. Ladies room. Peggy gets acquainted with her new job. Betty shows signs of anxiety. And Don just kind of... Don doesn't really do anything in this episode, really, does he? I might remember. No, it's. A, I think it's a woman-heavy episode. And I remember this one because this is the episode where you blew my mind, right? <laughs> yes. This is the one with the whole psychiatry thing going on that I didn't know about at all. I blew my own mind with this. So, yeah, so the, um, so the thing... I, was, I didn't really write that much on this one because... I think there's a massive thing in this episode where that I don't think many people have picked up on where um, Paul Kinsey is showing um, uh, Peggy around the office and he's describing what all the different parts of the office do. And it's all very quiet. It's all very eerie. And then it all sort of fills up afterwards and like you, we all move on. And uh, I was watching this and it kind of, as Paul was um, describing the office to Peggy, um, it kind of it hit me that what he was describing was really the ego or um, ego uh, theory, which is the idea of the ego, the super ego and the id. And that kind of like covers the whole of the episode, which is really about the ego and narcissism and repression. Because what we see is we see Betty kind of showing signs of anxiety and she wants to see a psychotherapist. And yeah, and, and through that, we kind of see how repressing the ego can kind of cause problems. And it's also, we also see a lot in this episode of the um, uh, the inner self and narcissism and how, how we use stuff to cover up narcissism and how we use stuff to cover up, uh, to protect ourselves. And the whole episode starts with um, the eggs, and yeah. um, Roger talking about himself as a baby and how he was muddy coddled and sort of looked after. There isn't really that much I want to say about this episode because I think we said it all in in our um, in the actual podcast that we did. Yeah, I mean, I think the things there are some things in here that sort of you that they sort of touch upon that become bigger things later, isn't it? Like, I mean, yeah. we saw this is the episode at the end where we see that Don is listening in on or getting um, the lowdown on Betty's psychotherapy, yeah. not psychotherapy, therapy, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think, you know, I think when we talked about it, I just talked a lot about how it felt like a control, like even, even the bit where you sort of blow my mind with the psychiatrist thing. Like to me, that was a whole control thing. This is my place showing you around, showing what's what, and yeah. this is your place. Um, and with Betty, it's the same thing. It was sort of like that, Rather than saying, I'm going to therapy, it was like, I need your permission to be able to do this. And well, it was a, it's about a, everyone knowing what their place is. There's a really good um, thing, well, interesting thing, in one of the scenes. You know, do you remember that scene where Betty's trying to explain to Don uh, why she needs to see a therapist? In the kitchen? Yeah, where she's washing up or something, or making spaghetti yeah, she, or something, yeah, she? Yeah, she's washing up. And um, Don and, and Don says to her, um, leave 
the um just leave the leave the dishes for the girl to do yeah i was trying to work out what the the point of that was and it and if you think about it what happen, what ends up happening is um you know don is her husband he's supposed to kind of look after her. he's supposed to give her what she needs he's supposed to make her feel kind of um, good about herself uh, but she needs to go and see a shrink to do that and he's basically that's kind of what the so basically what he's saying is like the girls the the girl that he's talking about is coming to clean up their mess and the shrink is going to clean up his mess uh does that but make the, sense but the, the girl is his daughter no no the girl's the um the girl is the the servant or whatever Not hang servant, on but. hang on i haven't seen a servant where where has there been a servant They've got a servant. They've got, well, not. A, I have not, not seen the servant. Actually, you know what? Not servant, maid. I'm not, it's not a servant. I have not seen the maid. maid either. Where, when is there a maid? Well, okay. So in the third episode, is it the third episode? But, no, no. In the fifth episode, um, they talk about this woman called Ethel, who, um, um, what's her name? Um, I actually you probably haven't seen her to be honest, but, but they trust me, they have a maid. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, see, I thought that whole time. Yeah. That he was saying, have the girl do it, and the girl was his daughter. No, no. And I was, but I was, but I was like, at the time, I was like, there's a whole transference thing there, isn't there? I mean, like, whether or let's say, because example, I honestly didn't know there was a maid, right? Right. So, so I thought it was the daughter, and I thought it was something along the lines of, I control you, but you control her. So it's not like, so almost to make Betty feel less powerless. I mean, you could apply that same principle if there is a maid or the maid clearly does exist. She's not a fiction, uh, fiction of your imagination. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but, <laughs> but it's that whole like transference of power where, whereas wherever it's, instead of being like, okay, I'm listening to you and let's do something about this. It's almost like I have power over you, but you have power over this person. So I okay. don't have to, I don't have to feel like guilty or anything like that because you're in control of some stuff too. Um, okay. Maybe, I yeah. don't know, maybe that's just utter bollocks, but um, I'm, I'm shocked by the maid. <laughs> <laughs> All of this could be bollocks, to be fair. Um, um, yeah, so that's I mean, that's what I got from it. I got that the, um, the, the maid was um, cleaning up Don's, cleaning up pe- uh, Betty's mess and Don, the shrink was cleaning up Don's mess. Can uh, I just yes. say, before we go on as well, that I mm-hmm. have the memory of a sieve, so... Um, if we did, if we put this up and then I re-listened to episode two and we had a whole big discussion about how there was a maid, I can only, yeah. apo- I can only apologize <laughs> because I, I don't, honestly don't remember this kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't think we do, to be fair. Okay. Um, oh, and there's also the bit where Don kind of, Don sort of lets Midge into her flat. Uh, no, Don, Don, Don is in Midge's flat. And she gives him the keys and it's kind of like he has control of her ladies room because he's in the ladies room. But anyway, that's that. I didn't really, there wasn't that much I had to say about that because I think we did cover it quite a lot. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so then moving on. Um, so the next episode, now the next episode is crazy. This is like, so the next episode is The Marriage of Figaro, right? Yep. And you remember the marriage of figure? What are your sort of thoughts on the marriage of figure now? Just like I, you probably don't remember it, but it's I whatever. do. Well, I remember. I remember the dog. This is the one where she's like talking about the dogs on the roof, right, Rachel? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, and they have yes. a little. They have a little cheeky snog. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I remembered that. Um, 
uh, is this the one where he's building the house? This is the one where he's building right, the house. Right, yeah. okay, yeah, I remember, yeah. Okay, so, okay, so the marriage of Figaro, this is one of the ones where I've been reading quite a bit on it, and I hope I can make sense of it. So, you know, when I was talking about, so when we did this review, right, we talked about, and I was like really excited about the, uh, the book, uh, what's that book called? A lady child is lover. So, um, and I was really excited because I was like, well, it's about um, um, these two halves and it's about the mind and the body and it's about um, um, uh, industri- industry and nature and all these kind of things. And, and like the episodes in two parts and like you were kind of like not really convinced. Do you remember no, that? No, probably, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, it's girls who like reading a, na- a naughty book, which is pretty standard really. <laughs> And it is, it is. But yeah, so the, but, and, but, and, and this is kind of, this is what really what it's about. So the, the episode is about this thing called the mind body dualism, right? And this is like a really fucked, really, really weird concept to, but it's a weird concept, but it's also a pretty, it's a concept we're all kind of used to now where essentially the best way to describe it is, um, let's say your spirit your kind of spirit is not your body, right? You are not um, the person that's in your body-shaped body. You are your spirit, your your mind, your... Does that make sense, right? Yeah, so basically what you're saying is your body and your mind are two separate things. Yes, yes, exactly that, right? Mm -hmm. And so this whole episode is all about that. And the reason it's like that is because, and, and the best way to describe this and the best way that the show describes this is a thing that you picked up on that I was kind of like racking my brains about, which is that Christmas present. Oh, yeah. So, again, like the whole mind-body thing where your your body is your wrapping and the mind is whatever's in the body. Yeah. Uh, like, like the pre- like, that's exactly like the present where, mm-hmm. the Christmas present where the, the wrapping is one thing and the the whatever's inside it is a totally different thing and it's like you can't sort of you have to the two are kind of they're 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 a whole but essentially they're two totally different things right yeah um and so there's loads of and like i did loads of reading on it but i can't there's other that that's basically the bare bones of what it is um there's other things in there that you can talk about like for instance this thing of the animus and the anima which is another with so the thing about um what's her name Helen you know Helen the um the divorcee I love Helen she's great she is great and she kind of embodies this thing called the anima uh so the anima is basically the female part of a man so if you if you if you um take take a man and a woman like the idea is, according to the uh, philosopher and psychologist um, Frederick Young, uh, was it Frederick Young? I can't remember his first name, but Carl Young. Sorry, not Frederick Young. <laughs> I'm getting my philosophers mixed up. Uh, according to the uh, philosopher Carl Young, um, men have this thing in them called an anima, which is the feminine part of them, and it right. kind of has to it, it has to blend with um, the male part of them, the, which is the 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 male the most uh, the the majority of them and female uh, women have this thing in them called the animus which is the male part of them right and helen kind of remember that at the end of that episode helen kind of does all these kind of male things 
and she's like wearing pants and she kind of she provides the food i think it was you said that she, yeah yeah she provides she... the food she provides the food for the party yeah uh so she kind of like embodies not just a woman but also a sort of feminine as well so uh, sorry a masculine as well so she's kind of like she's like the most whole person in that episode um there's also this thing as well uh kind of current what it's called now but essentially when you're trying to as a human being we so the whole thing with young's carl young's theory is that in order to reach um a better consciousness we go through these stages and we interact with these archetypes um i'm I'm so fucking this up by the way i know i'm getting this all wrong but uh, if anybody's listening to this and wants to kind of correct me please do any philosophers Um, are out there get in touch (laughs) please do yeah um but basically so as we sort of get in touch with our um consciousness um we reach we meet these uh, different archetypes and so basically when you see don and Helen sitting next to each other they're basically um the anima and animus of each other does that make sense I mean I think you should finish and then I'm gonna comment on what you've said (laughs) okay (laughs) I'm gonna be honest I don't fully understand this but yeah it's like it's really fucking deep um but yeah so um also in that episode you get a lot of because it's all about like the outer shell not representing the inner shell, you get a lot of this thing of arrested development in the the characters. So when Pete and Harry Crane are sitting in the thing, we get basically they are children in that in that moment, and it gets that whole idea gets um, uh, visited again later on in the party when Don is um, sitting next to he, he walks up to Helen. And uh, he says, and she says something about the kids being, it's like their kids on, it's like their kids out here. And Don says, um, yeah, that it's not much different inside. And basically just this idea that everyone's basically a kid. And even though the outer shell, they seem like adults. All right. You, oh, go on. <laughs> go hit me with it. I mean, I think there's, there's a, a thing that you could say here that there's, to there's also the time period thing and there's the progression of women and their growth and how they are becoming more independent and you know i think i think uh, you know i'm not i'm not entirely convinced by this animos or whatever (laughs) sounds like anima to me um (laughs) i mean i just i feel a little bit like i'm totally on board with the whole like the wrapping is one thing for what's inside i think that's such a as such a significant part of this episode and I think I picked up on that and if I picked up on it it must be fairly obvious um right. but you know I feel like in terms of gender gender and this is is a really interesting thing because I think as I say it's a it's a time of progressiveness where you know um any of the women in this they some of them accept their place and want to be protected by the tradition that uh, traditional roles of their genders and ever ever of them want to break away though i think there is and i think with helen she's just a very almost like for this period she's almost like postmodern in that she isn't ashamed everyone sort of makes her feel or, or acts like she should be ashamed of who she is but yeah. she isn't, and she knows that she doesn't have to be. Yeah. So, she's pretty you strong. Know. She's pretty yeah. strong. 
Um, one of the things uh, that comes up in this episode as well is that advert for the um, the Volkswagen. Oh, I love that. That bloody advert. It's brilliant. So, and uh, and also, so that, that whole process that I was talking about, about the consciousness thing, is called um, the individuation project, uh, process. And so that thing about the um, Volkswagen advert is it's very much about individuality and sort of, you know, standing out and being yourself and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I feel like that's kind of pointing towards that as well. And also, um, I know you don't, like you said, you're not really that on board with the whole anima animus thing. Um, and I'm not going to go into it because I don't really understand it. Um, but I will say that there are names for all the different... An- so there's like four different stages of anima, right? And um, one of them is like this childish um, sort of... So the an- let's let's say, without going too much into it, let's say that... Um, so the anima, the four different stages of anima are basically four different stages of feminine that men identify with right so the first one is kind of like a baby doll sort of thing second one is a bit more sort of uh confident third one is like ultra confident and the fourth one is just like you know uber woman or whatever and they all (laughs) they all have names they all have names and i think the third one's called helen no way (laughs) yeah it is anyway so we can move on from that and you can look up look it all up for yourselves and um if you find anything interesting let me know because i like i said i don't fully understand it um anyway let's go on to the next episode right (laughs) leave your minds blown and move on to the next episode so the next episode was um was it new amsterdam yeah it was new amsterdam and uh just to give people a bit of a um recap on that pete wants to buy a flat don tries to pitch no 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 no. pete doesn't want to buy a flat okay okay sorry pete uh pete and um his wife trudy or maybe even just trudy wants it's just it's just trudy that wants the flat he doesn't want the flat he he can't (laughs) afford the flat well i guess that's a good it's an interesting point actually um we'll get into that in a bit uh don tries to pitch to Bethlehem Steel, and Betty gains an admirer. And this is my favorite episode, I think. This one, because we were we so we. Do you remember this episode? Do you remember what we were talking about? It? Yeah, I mean, I remember. I was like, I think it's something to do with religion, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. I think that's that was pretty much what I said about this episode. That and is, also, like... I think we riffed about how much we love Trudy as well. Yes. And so, and I was, I can't remember what I was saying about it, but I, t- I totally missed the point on this one. I think this was the one that you kind of like watched in like half an hour, like watched it an hour and came up with everything. But like, Classic. you hit the nail so well on the head in this episode. Uh, basically, this episode is about the Ubermensch, uh, which you may have heard of. I don't remember saying that. No, you didn't say, <laughs> you didn't say that. But that's basically, so... The whole idea of the Ubermensch was um, uh, came up with by this guy called Frederick Nietzsche, who you might have heard of. He's the guy that declared that that God is dead. Oh wow! He's a he's a philosopher from like a long time ago. I can't I don't know when exactly, but um, I really should get better with my dates and times and stuff. But um, basically, um, he sort of theorized this thing called the Ubermensch, and which is where we get the kind of where we get the name Superman from, but not quite. 
unlike Superman, the Ubermensch is a theoretical kind of... Um, he's almost like... Um, the way we look at apes now... Right. Is, is the way he'd look at us. So um, he, you, so so like a higher being, basically. Exactly, like a higher yeah. being, like um, it, the 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 term Ubermensch um, uh, translates as Overman, um, <clears throat> which is interesting. Um, and so the whole point of this episode is basically so the whole thing that Nietzsche Nietzsche said is that around that time when he came up with this, uh, he was talking about how uh, people were sort of like so invested in god but instead of being invested in god really they're invested in being part of a whole and being part of this sort of like um being part of this group of people where everybody had their own sort of function and nobody really thought beyond that and everybody was just kind of like doing you know they were working they were doing their jobs they were being part of society and like fitting in and because of that society was stagnation stag stagnating and things were things were fine things were ticking along but nobody was kind of like pushing life along uh and he and uh, Nietzsche basically theorized that um there needs to be someone who comes along and wants to think beyond that and wants to be bigger than that and better than that and sort of like he's a bit of a dick and kind of does what he wants and thinks how he wants to think and doesn't believe in God and he's driven by his own impulses right mm-hmm and so, that so really... basically, like the social influence of, of today. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> not Maybe not social, but like even beyond that, like, so let's say like now that social influences are a thing, social influences are part of society, they're kind of, so the next stage on from that would be what he, do you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't, you can't really pinpoint to what it is because it's always there's always another version there's always another there's always something that springs up from the norm mm. that goes on to kind of like create something else okay um so it's always it's basically it's like i guess the best way to describe it is someone um an early adopter of something or something like that a but pioneer a bit, uh, yeah and a pioneer that's a that's a good way of putting it um and basically that's what pete does for the whole episode he um he wants more he doesn't want to be part of this um he doesn't want to be part of this group he doesn't want to be part of this uh society um being told what to do in his little cog he wants to break out of that and be something more because he's he's capable of so much more right um but what's really cool about it is when he gets fired and so and keeping in mind that this whole the idea is it's all based on this thing called the overman the ubermensch when he gets fired um Sal says to him, um, it's probably a bit, too, you probably shouldn't have bought that apartment um, in the city. And I always thought that was a weird thing for him to say, because why would they keep that in? Because it seems a bit cruel. But essentially, that kind of points to the fact that Pete had just bought this um, this apartment and he essentially would be above everyone because he'd be, you know, on this in this high sort of apartment thing. And uh, he comes crashing to the ground. Um, another interesting thing about that as well is, and this is kind of, this, I can't remember this fully because I kind of had it written down, but I've lost it somewhere. Um, but basically the idea is that we have this Ubermensch and the idea of the rest of society 
is if you can't be an Ubermensch yourself, your job, your role in this situation is to protect the Ubermensch and make him um, and make him stronger. And I think when we were doing this episode, you were sort of like asking the question of why does um, Roger lie and tell Pete that Don saved him? Yeah. And basically because Don is the chosen guy that they're trying to make the Ubermensch. Okay. <laughs> not sold. I, not sold, sorry. I, I mean, I still think that... I mean, we had quite an in-depth conversation about that episode and about, yeah. you know, I think the big... Uh, you know the big client was the steel guy wasn't it and how he was like trying to get the importance of steel across and why steel was such an important product and I also feel... wait, wait wait before you go oh. on, before you go on. <laughs> before you go on, also there's a bit you know when the you know when they go and see the cousins uh in in quotation marks uh-huh uh, one of the cousins calls um that guy uh the man of steel Anyway, carry on with your thought. Well, yeah, he does. I mean, you know, isn't there also a Superman film named that? Um, but I don't know if that was before or after this came out. Um, yes. Anyway. There is. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if it is if it is that or if it's just, I think with P, I think he's just, and I think we talked about this a lot, he's just extremely sort of, he's, for me, it was a competition thing. It wasn't about... It was about trying to win, but I don't think he would be someone who is trying to take over the world. He just wants to be elevated to beyond where he is now. So, I mean, if you want to go back to what we were talking about, episode one, he's almost like on his little, what's it called? Life, whatever. What's it called? Life drive. He's on on his life drive. Um, And he's sort of like, you know, he's kind of imagining this great future that if he you know if he writes this article and does better than kenny and gets his in the new yorker then it's like then that's what he's imagining that's but it's the like the, oh is it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry everyone um we'll come back to that but anyway uh yeah pete in his apartment but you know it's sort of like for him even with the apartment it's a very competitive thing where he's like trying to or almost like his wife is is more competitive than him maybe she's an uber mensch like i don't know but she's sort of like wants something oh. that's above above what's realistic um yeah. and but i don't think in any sense an apartment is anything that's i wouldn't describe an apartment wanting an apartment and being a pioneer as the same sort of thing it's not it's not the same thing it's just a representative representation of that thing so it's but like, surely if that was the case then surely he wouldn't be going after the apartment in the city surely he'd be going after the house in the country yeah but that's what i mean it's it's more of a it's more the representation of the ubermensch it's more it's less about him it's less about him buying the flat and more about him over trying to overtake don by doing his own thing, even though he's not supposed to. He's thinking outside the box and he's trying to kind of like push his way out. But also, there's something I forgot to mention is the fact that there's also a B story in this, which is um, uh, Betty getting her admirer. 
Do we I remember this? No, what what's that? <laughs> you you I'm surprised you have I'm surprised you've forgotten this. Uh this so the admirer is uh, the little kid. Oh, Creepy Glenn. Oh no, Glenn, I yes. forgot all about <laughs> Creepy Glenn. Oh, so weird. So that story so that story is basically Again, it's sort of. Um, I think it's like. I think it's the female equivalent of. I think it's like like you. You reminded me when you said that Trudy might be the Ubermensch. Because um, in this story, Helen definitely is an Ubermensch, and it's something that. Um, uh, what's her name? Um, Betty looks towards, and obviously Betty is just kind of like one of. She basically is happy just being where she is and you know there's that point where um uh helen gives her that leaflet to kind of like try and elevate her and give her some knowledge and sort of so she can learn and stuff mm -hmm. and she kind of doesn't really give it like you mentioned like she doesn't really care about it. she doesn't even look at it because uh, she's happy where she is she's happy just being one of the normal people um i don't know i mean i think there's an element of of i think this episode again is all it, there's a lot of stuff about roles and things in there and, and you know especially with Betty and Helen um and you know I feel like it's almost like Betty isn't so much she she's happy I think that she she almost can't break out of this idea that she's you know th this is the life that she went for like when she married Don she imagined a certain thing and she's fashioned her life to be that way and it yeah. almost ilks her like because she isn't even like that nice about looking after Glenn in the first place. Like she's, I mean, but she does it anyway. Like if it was me, I'd be like, no, sort your own kid out. But you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, I think she, she sees herself. She wants to be seen as the nice neighbor or like the responsible parent or like whatever it is. Yeah. She um, wants to fit in. She, she wants to fit into that role because she thinks that's all that she has. Right. But I don't think it's because she, she thinks that's all that she has. I don't think she's there yet. I think you're, I think you're, you're looking ahead too much. I think at this point, it's almost like she can't see another way. Right. That's what I mean. Like she, she, it's like she's just she's accepted where she is. She's just like, okay, so this is me. Yeah. Even though she kind of wants, she might want more, but she's kind of like, well, this it has to be this way because this is what happiness looks like because that's what I've been told. And this is what I am. This is, I am, the, I am a woman. I am a wife. I am a mother. That is, that is what she is. And that's what she knows. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, and, um, uh, that's what I mean. So she's kind of, she won't be, she's, she's more of, oh, so there's this other thing as well that I totally forgot about. Um, oh, what is this? The last man. That's it. Um, so you've got the Uber man and there's another thing called, there's the last man and there's another one. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so she's kind of like within that realm of the last man where she's kind of accepted where she lives and she just lives in this kind of resentfulness and this kind of like bitterness and doesn't really know how to get out of it, but really isn't going to put any effort into moving out of it. And that's kind of, that's what the representation of her is in this episode. Uh, but that might all change. Who knows? Anyway, so that's um, that's Mad Men's uh, current take on the Ubermensch and Frederick Nietzsche. So okay. shall, we move on, shall we move on to the next episode? Sure. Is there anything else you want to say about the Ubermensch? Um, I, I, I think I'm good on the Ubermensch. Thank you. I think, they, <laughs> okay. you know, I'm, again, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think you can, I think philosophy is an interesting thing because you can apply it to, any, you can bend anything. You could probably look 
at an episode of Friends and say, oh, in this episode, they're uber-menching or whatever it is. But I think you're, I think sometimes you can, you're almost like looking at it on too deep a level. I think there's a danger with this as well. I think there's some things I think you're spot on, but other yeah. things I almost think, I almost feel like it's, it's too far in and you're too far in. And I think, you know, a lot of these characters, they've got some shallow attributes um, because not everyone is thinking that deeply about everything. And philosophers are the kind of people who do think too deeply about everything. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting one. I think it'd be interesting to see if you can apply a philosopher to every single episode of Mad Men. And I look forward to, <laughs> by the end of this, being able to sign up for a philosophy degree. So um, <laughs> do keep going. <laughs> all right, so this is the final one. All right. Um, Who so forgot? This... Who's the philosopher, first of all? Well, this is the weird thing, right? Ah. So, <laughs> so I, I, this one, I had a lot of problems with this one because I was trying, because I was trying to. There's definitely a philosophy to it, and essentially the philosophy is that of liberty. Um, in fact, life, liberty, and property is the general philosophy around that. I was trying to find somebody who's kind of like famous for that kind of stuff. Do you know what it is? I'm going to say it. Go on. Do you know what it is? This whole episode is Philip, yeah. Philip Larkin, they fuck you up, your mum and dad. <laughs> That's what this episode is. Like, it's a poem. It's just a poem. It's just a poem to how fucked up our parents make us. That's, that's what it is. That, that's one way of looking at it. Yes, maybe. Um, or... It could be this other guy called um, Ken Schooland. Now, Ken Schooland um, brought out a book. Oh, God, what was it called? Right, let me... I've got to use my thing again. Uh, Ken Schooland brought out this book um, called The Adventures of... Um, something gullible. Hang on. Um, I'll cut this part out as well. Ken Schooland. Also, don't forget to do a... Sorry, I interrupted you before. Don't forget to do a recap on what happens in the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, Jonathan Gilmore. All right, cool. Yes, good point. Um, all right. And action. Um, so, yeah, so let's talk about um, uh, G5, the final episode of these five episodes that we're recapping. So in this episode, just to recap, Don's brother arrives. Betty has trouble keeping Don's secrets. And Pete gets jealous about Ken's short story. Remember that? Well, uh, yeah, because I just thought it happened in the last episode. So I definitely remember <laughs> the short story thing. Um, and I remember the brother thing because I remember that whole scene where he goes to the apartment. And I think, was it you that thought he was going to kill him or something? Yes, it was. And I was like, no, he was never going to kill him. Okay, so let's talk about that. So, um, so you're asking me about whether there's a philosopher connected to this and i could only find i could only find this guy called ken schooland who sort of deals with this idea of life liberty and property which is kind of you know they sort of come up with that um there's that uh bank um uh what's it called that bank account that executive bank account they come oh up yeah with. um and it kind of uses the idea of life liberty and property in the name um so it kind of like pointed me to this guy called Ken Schooland who wrote this book called The Adventures of Jonathan Gimble or Jonathan Gullible, sorry. And um, 
and it, it, basically it has this um it has this kind of like passage in it about the importance of life liberty and property and how life liberty and property kind of um uh, can be um oh what's the word replaced or kind of matched up with the terms of um the past the present and the future and remember in this episode we get to see those photographs we get to see the photograph of Don um with Roger getting the award which oh, yeah. would which would be the present and then we get to see the picture of his um family which would be the future because it's got his kids in it and then we get to see the picture of his brother which he burns which is the past right um and so the whole point the the whole thing so there's this thing on youtube i might even put it in the notes actually so there's this it's basically takes a passage from the book that describes this whole idea of how life liberty and property are used and it it says something along the lines of how <clears throat> you can use any means necessary to protect your property and in this and in this case the property is the future um and what don does in this episode is he kills his past to protect his future with his present which is like his money and stuff which is really weird um and it's all kind of yeah and it all sort of keys into this idea of uh, ken schooland it also kind of um connects with this um this other guy called john Locke. this was a really hard one for me because it was like all the other ones are kind of all based on like you know fuzzy subjects like the mind and like emotions and like all cool stuff like you know Nietzsche and the Dark Drive and all that kind of stuff. It's really really cool, but this one was really really annoying for me because it's basically politics, and it's how the law kind of it's all about libertine law and how you can kind of like protect your own property and all that kind of stuff. So when Don does kind of um, give the money give the money to his brother, it really is about him sort of like in a sense killing him. Um, or using force to keep him away from his family to protect himself. And also on top of that, um, you know, we talked about the fact that a bunch of characters say okay in this episode. Mm -hmm. So all the characters that say okay are basically not, are basically stopping themselves from being controlled. So Betty, uh, I didn't really realize this the first time. The first time we watched it, but at the beginning of the episode, you know when they, um, Betty and Don wake up from the um, from the party the night before, and they're all like hungover and stuff. Yeah. Well, Betty asks Don if he's okay, and Don says he's fine. So that's kind of like that's the first instance we see of like somebody. So that's kind of Betty thinking she's in control, but Don being actually in control and saying that he's okay um but you also see it with you see it with don saying um you see it with a bunch of other people so you see it with uh who else oh god i can't remember so you see yeah so um trudy says it a bunch of times uh trudy says it to she says it to pete and she says it to the boyfriend that's trying to the ex-boyfriend that's trying to get with her um betty asked Betty asked Don again at the end if he's okay. 
and he says no and then goes off and sort of you know effectively kills his brother um and um i can't remember if there's any any other ones but yeah it's all about control basically it's all about all these other characters trying to control um the main characters and the main characters being like and it, oh and i'm um, sorry there's another episode there's another instance where um john joan uh, at, uh where um um betty no not Betty. peggy says um she's okay to joan um as she's kind of as joan thinks she's in control and telling Pe um peggy what to do um which is really cool um so yeah there's all these like strong characters kind of like hiding the fact that they're in control and not letting the people know that they're in control but just kind of letting them get on with stuff um which is uh yeah i just find really fascinating um anything else you want to say about that one no i mean i think it's to me it's just like i mean i don't know i think it's it's about people coming and going from your life isn't it for me yeah. it's like i think the crucial one is is dumb because the assumption is that family blood will be in your life for the rest of your life mm. um and and don manages to disconnect from his entire family um his mother and father somewhat sort of easier but with his brother his brother wants to be in his life and i think that's the difference i don't think he's he's sort of really come across that too much before um and i think all these people that are coming in i mean i, I don't know I, I guess i see the whole control thing in terms of like control and to protect um yeah. to protect what you have and, and you talked about property liberty and what's the other one uh property liberty uh, life and life. life life liberty and property yeah i mean i think everyone's just trying to protect their property isn't it and, and it's sort of like trudy wants to protect her marriage and it's almost like she thinks it's all about what's most important to you isn't it um, well yeah and that's yes that's such a key element in this episode is it's 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 your own personal principles and what and you know trudy's principle is i'm not going to sleep with my ex-boyfriend so you can get your article in the new yorker so yeah. i'm going to compromise and get it in a magazine and hope you'll be happy with that because yeah. the price would have been too high otherwise i mean i think it's the, and, and maybe that's a huge symbol within it is is the price of things it's you know it's sort of like how much is it worth to lose a brother how much is it worth to elevate yourself how much is it worth you know what's the cost what's the actual cost and is that cost emotional or is it is it can it be paid in money or you know in a physical way and it's sort of like each of the characters want you know something different like don don's brother adam i think his name is he's yeah. looking he's looking for um an emotional connection whereas don well, isn't and tries to pay him off with a physical that's the thing. So, is he looking for that, or is it because that because when he's he meets him in the lobby, um, again, um, his brother says to him, "Okay, like he's trying." He's and to me, that whole "okay" is a thing of it's at that moment that char the character who says "okay" is in control, and I think that's the thing that threatens Don is like his brother has some sort of control at that point and it's kind of he could just literally destroy his life yeah but he doesn't so, he doesn't have any control really but that's that's the thing is it's almost like that that isn't even really there like he can destroy his life by what he can go in and say say oh he's my brother like what is that's that's not 
that's not destroying his life. That's the thing. Yeah, is it's like totally. he thinks it's going to destroy his life, yeah, but it's not exactly. going to destroy him his life. A- a- and that's exactly. The- exactly. And that's the thing that comes up with Pete's story, where Pete's story about the bear and the bear and, and the hunter thinking that the bear can talk and thinking and trying to trying to imagine what the bear's thinking. Yeah, so, I didn't get that. <laughs> did you not get that? So no, no, like, as in like, because she asks, she says something about the bear talking, doesn't she? Yeah, and he's she does. like, but the bear doesn't actually talk. And it's I'm what like, the bear, no, it's, it's, it's what the hunter thinks the bear is thinking. And that's exactly what happens with Don and his yeah, brother. It's yeah. what he thinks his brother's thinking, which is why he's, he doesn't want him to destroy his life. Absolutely, but that. But you're saying you you then said you said earlier that they are in some senses because of them them saying okay and that they do have some control. But I feel like they those people aren't in control because if they were in control, you know that guy Trudy was seeing Chris her ex boyfriend or whatever could have been like fuck me or I'll you know no but he's not in control. I won't Trudy, probably... Trudy's the one that says okay. Oh, I see. Okay, sorry, I got it the wrong way around. I thought you were saying that the other characters were saying okay. No, I know it's really confusing because it took me a while to get my head around it. So yeah, so the characters that say okay, even though they seem like they're not in control, which is the, the confusing part, they're in control in that moment. So when that brother says okay, and, and obviously this is um, this is all from Don's point of view, I guess as well. So when he when his brother says okay, it's kind of like it's a uh, to Don it's like this um this thing of like you can see that he's like nervous he's scared he's not in control in that moment and he's he's aware of it and that's why he kind of like gets rid of him um there's another thing I want to point out about this episode as well <laughs> before you go on I just want to clarify for the audience that I didn't understand half of that conversation so um if 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 you didn't understand it, it's it's all right. Just say okay and get on with your life, and that'll be that. Okay. Do you want me to yeah, go over see? again? Just, no, no, I... no, no, no more, no more. All right. Okay. And um, before we before we wrap this up, I just want to say about um, um, so the whole thing about the the episode is called five G, right? And I was saying that that 5G is this, um, it's almost like this this prize or this kind of, it is the property. Um, it is the property in the whole um, life, liberty and property thing. Um, you can also, instead of saying life, liberty and property, you can also say life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, uh, which is this famous um, term that John Locke came up with. I think it was John Locke. It might have been Jefferson. I can't remember. <laughs> I really got to get better at this. But anyway, so um, the only reason I mentioned that is because John Locke did actually come up with this other um, term, which was when someone mixes their labor with something from nature, that action grants them the ownership of whatever they produce. Right? Sure. That's a term from him. And that kind of leads us to the story that Ken writes, um, which is called tapping a maple on the cold vehement on a cold vermin morning um of a, sorry tapping a maple on a cold vermont morning sorry and that's basically the whole story is about how you get maple from um 
uh, from Maple Trees and it sort of explains the whole process and it's kind of, it goes into it in, in a lot of detail and then it falls apart and they start mm. just dropping episodes. They start dropping references to the episode in the story. It's very funny. You should check it out. It's anyway. Like, it sounds like a, 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 an absolute snore fest to me. <laughs> but anyway, it doesn't matter. You don't have to read it. All, all it basically, all it does is illuminate the idea of John Locke's um, quote on um, on nature and how sort of like, Basically, the work that you the 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 work that you put into create the work that you put into um, removing something from the earth is basically your property, and you can um, protect it however you want. And that's basically what the episode's about. Uh-huh. And that's what and that's why we have that's why they talk about bears and that's why they talk about maple leaves. And I think there's other things as well there where they kind of reference stuff like that. But yeah, that's basically the episode. And that's all five episodes that we've seen so far. And uh, I'm sure that nobody's any wiser than they were. <laughs> I just confused the fuck out of everyone. Yeah, so. that was uh, really helpful. <laughs> Thanks, Polar. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to say? No, just, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more. <laughs> Fun philosophy <laughs> lessons from Dr. Fola Olakumbi very, I, I, very soon. The thing is, right, do you know what? Like, I wanted to do this, these shows because I wanted to just talk about, like... Because I thought there was themes in the episodes, right? And I thought, oh, we'll talk about, like, how this episode's about lying and stuff like that. And then, like... <laughs> Which is what I'm other, doing. <laughs> there's all this other stuff there. I just can't, like, ignore it, you know? It just all kind of seems to make sense. Look, basically, if anybody's listening that kind of gets any of this or has any questions, or just wants to kind of berate me the way that um, uh, Helen is. I mean, just... I'm not berating you. I'm just, I'm just not on that level, Fola. I'm just a normal person. I just watch it and I'm like, oh, look at the nice dresses. Um, yeah, well, I hope that I'm not... Um, putting people off by talking about all this other stuff no I love it I love it really I think it's great and you know it's really interesting to hear each other's well your perspective my perspective is more like what I didn't (laughs) see that I I think your perspective is more down to earth and it kind of I think people relate to it a lot more well you know like like I say you guys can feel free to pick a side (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so I think we should leave it there before I get myself into more trouble (laughs) all right sounds good all right, well, um, don't forget, everyone. Actually, no, uh, I just want to say goodbye. And, um, yeah, don't forget, everyone. Uh, Sopranos is better. But hey, hang on. Of... Before you sign off, bloody hell. Oh, I'm just going to do one thing. So before we go, we just want to have a quick word and say, don't forget, you can get in touch with us. All our details will be on the bio of this That's podcast. True. Yes, yes. And uh, don't forget, everyone, Sopranos is better. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.